0: Topics. And uh, so this is the first of many, many weeks on hot topics, and uh, we have some pretty controversial to talk about together. And uh, I want to start off by um, helping you understand how this class is going to function, what we're going to be doing. And uh, our purpose for these sessions is to wrestle um, with these topics. Uh, number two, to understand the different points of view. Oftentimes, I think we uh, grow up in a church or an atmosphere or culture that um, really just gives us one perspective on things, and I think what we'll find is that um, each of these provide clear and biblical teachings that you still might have at the end of it. And one of the things we also understand is that when you deal with issues as big and as controversial and as uh, it's really challenging to get through every nuance and detail. And so the hope is that this sparks many conversations, many dialogues, and uh, at least begins to develop the foundation for Yeah. Uh, I love this one. And understand that in all things love, what a great, great word. And so at your tables, uh, what you may find is uh, there will be people who have strong, Passionate opinion might find completely biblical, and somehow we want to be able to engage these dialogues and discussions in a spirit of love. And uh, what we often find is that um, when issues like this come up, there's a position that we start with, but it might not necessarily be the position we embrace to process, to even change their mind. Have the humility to recognize that you might also change your mind. At all. Here's a rough overview. Um, I don't know which projector you want to look at, but you can go either way um, on this one. A little overkill never hurt. Uh, this week is obviously speaking in tongues. Um, I'm going to be doing one all next week. Uh, we have an estate planning seminar, which I want to encourage all of you to attend. Dallas is going to be doing this as part of the conclusion. Bonnie Fowler will be doing a resurrection on Palm Sunday, possibly also Easter Sunday. We also have some uh, buddy who seeks to have any influence on this issue, but more often than we would body modifications. We have a few weeks off, um, but we're coming back in June. Uh, we'll be doing one on eating dyslexia and bulimia, quality and women pastors. Who knows, this might just be the beginning of an entire um, series on more hot topics as stuff comes The way the class is going to be set up each week is that we're going to meet at 9 o'clock. We're going to pray. Uh, if there are only a few of us here, then so um, Then we're going to go and have about 15 to 20 minutes per your table. There will be questions provided for you if you look in your notes. And uh, what we ask is that each table has have a... Um, spokesman or spokeswoman, where at the end, when we de- de- represent your table, the positions at your table, and so before we even start, pick a spokesman or spokeswoman, that copious notes so you can reflect some of the divergent opinions, um, and then <clears throat> in the middle, we're going to have a period of about 40 to 50 minutes of teaching on the subject, uh, and the teaching is going to try to address the various different views and develop a biblical worldview, um, now, if uh, we're going to pray, and then what I'm going to do is direct you down to your sheet. Let's pray together and get going. Father, we um, love you very much, and count it a privilege to be having um, a room. Lord, we really just count it a privilege to open up the Word of God, and to be taught, and to learn, and to talk, and to process through some of these. Lord, we want to think like you think we want to act in ways that please and glorify you, and express love for, for the body. And yeah. minds to you, we submit bills and our strong opinions. So you look down <clears throat> at your sheets, and uh, uh, the, the goal here is whoever your facilitator is, your job also is to make sure you expedite this process, because you could talk on one of these questions for days. This is not the time for you to debate, talk out where your table stands on these issues. And uh, what I would also encourage you is don't be afraid to say what you really think, and if you don't know what you think, that's also okay. Not an expectation that you place when you come here. In fact, the reason, one of the reasons we're doing this is because we know that we're not all in the same place and have not spent... So, your first question is check all the ones uh, you agree with and briefly explain your answer. Now, if somebody says something that you don't like, uh, what is your response? Love, right? The teachers will address unbiblical, hopefully, responses to some of these issues. Um, and then you can read the, the rest of the questions, but again, um, you can expedite the process. Mark, what time is it right now? Um, apparently, I can't read. So, 9-11. So, we've got about 10 to 15 minutes. So, pick your um, group facilitator and go. And uh, Kirk and Lisa, that's true.
1: of uh, what's going on to uh, really get you engaged in this topic, as we will for all the topics going forward. I would ask for you to uh, transition, if you could now, to uh, what do the Scriptures say. So open your Bibles, and we're going to get into those in just a second. Uh, Open them up to Mark uh, chapter um, 16, Mark chapter 16. With that, um, uh, the focus of how we're going to do this is we're going to go through what the scriptures say now. Um, our goal in this is going to um, finish at 9 o'clock, and then Michael's going to come up and debrief uh, the questions that we've gone through already. Okay, So um, I need you to stay with me in order to, to move through this material, I'm, I'm not going to go through it in detail. I have given you enough so that you can kind of take it on your own and go through it a little bit more in detail if you'd like to. Okay? So, you ready to go? I can't hear you. Are you ready to go? <laughs> All right. Um, so, 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 what do the scriptures say? The things that we're going to talk about are just an introduction, what are speaking in tongues, um, opening up God's Word, looking at it, and some other issues we need to address. And then what you're all waiting for is the finale here, which is are tongues a part of God's program for the church today, or n- why or why not. Okay, um, and we're going to focus primarily on the two areas of blue here, God's Word and and answering the last question there. Um, when you look at speaking in tongues, um, kind of as a uh, looking back in time, uh, the, the 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 modern tongues movement probably uh, would be um, most readily addressed to the early 1900s. It began in a, in, in Los Angeles uh, with a, a revival going on there from a Pentecostal uh, group who met in at the it's called the Azusa Street revival. And the, the focus of that was in 1906. It was an interdenominational, interracial, intersex uh, Pentecostal revival. That means male and female. Um, people gathered to see, hear, and preach, uh, preach, and pray, and to sing and shout, and to speak in new tongues. It, it was important that uh, how the newspapers who covered this uh, uh, spoke of it. They said um, that the folks who were there, had intense shouting, vigorous jerking, dancing, passing out, crying, howling, emotional outbursts, and speaking what they called gibberish. Um, the Pentecostal and the charismatic movements developed out of this Azusa Street revival and, and have adopted uh, speaking in tongues for personal and corporate use. The reason why I say developed out of there was for nine more years, that particular place... Served as a reference point for for the development of of that um, from there on out. Um, from the standpoint of uh, uh, other things here, the manifestations of the forms of modern tongues movement believes in three things. Okay. If you can make sure you're getting the the fill-in-the-blanks here, that'd be great, because that'll keep you on track. And the the fill-in-the-blanks here are that the first thing they would believe in is what we call the sign of the tongues. They would absolutely believe that the sign of tongues is where a person speaks in a foreign language uh, they've never heard before. The, The second is the gift of tongues, and the gift of tongues is used, or they also call it giving a tongue, Um, This refers to an utterance of an individual. This is primarily in the realm of believers. Uh, So something that God has to say through a tongue to a person primarily who is a believer. Uh, The utterance is directly inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, But it is in a natural language also. The last one here is what we call praying in the Spirit. And praying in the Spirit is typically used um, uh, to reference um, uh, one's own personal prayer language. Um, uh, a way of praying sp- directly to God. Okay? Praying in the Spirit is the last one. Um, also, it's interesting to note um, that uh, there, there's quite a bit of praying, in, uh, quite a bit of speaking in tongues uh, found in, <coughs> uh, call it extra, extra biblical and extra uh, uh, religion, uh, other religions, um, uh, primarily in um, mediumistic. Uh, practices such as paganism and shamanism. Um, In Japan, the God of Light Association um, counts that as a key way of recalling past lives. Spiritism, which kind of grew up in the 1900s, really see this as an evidence of the manifestation of spirits, and notice that small s, spirits. And the last one here is, it's it's been observed um, quite, quite a bit in the area of the voodoo religion, certainly in Haiti. And also in uh, uh, Hinduism, also. So, paganism, spiritism, and voodoo. Uh, what are speaking in tongues? Um, those in the movement would, would call speaking in tongues uh, uh, glossolalia. Glossolalia is how you would say it, I guess. Um, I'm not sure that's actually found in, in the scriptures, but, but it, it, they would get it from two words. Uh, glossa, which means language or tongue, same thing. Uh, the, the King James spe- uh, interprets these as tongues, uh, it's really languages, um, uh, and lalia, which is speech. The word glossae or "glossa" is used in the scriptures about 50 times, and it's always meant to be one of two things. Either like in James uh, chapter 3, 5, where it talks about, you know, be careful of the tongue, how, it's, how, how it can set a forest on fire. It's the physical tongue in a mouth. Uh, So it's the physical appendage in your mouth. Uh, And then the second is always as a, quote, known language, specifically spoken by a group of people. And then the second part here is that it's never known as an unknown or heavenly language or an ecstatic speech as to what the derivatives of what that means um, in the movement. And I'm going to talk more about 1 Corinthians 13 in a minute. Uh, So describing the gift of speaking in tongues, just to describe it, how we would describe it, it's the spiritual ability to speak God's word to unbelievers in one language for the listeners to hear in another language. Obviously, we're going to learn today that that speaking in tongues needs the the gift of interpretation of tongues also. And so the gift of interpretation of tongues also is the spiritual ability very simply to interpret the gift of tongues. Um, So look at Mark 16, verse 17. Mark 16, verse 17, uh, this is where Jesus gives us a promise that, that that believers in the future will speak with, quote, new tongues. He says, and these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons, and they will speak in new languages or new tongues. And so this is a, pro- this is a promise this is, that Jesus gives to believers that there's coming a time when they will speak, or some will speak in new tongues. Okay? So that's where it begins. Second is the book of Acts. So turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And uh, let's take a look at uh, verses 1 through 13 together. For those of you who understand and have looked at this passage before, this is what we call um, the, the Holy Spirit is given to the Jews at Pentecost. Pentecost is a feast that the Jews were celebrating. Verse 1-13, through And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. This was probably the upper room. Um, And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, remember that, distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages or tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred and multitude came together, they were bewildered because each of them were hearing them speak in his own language. The idea here is dialect. Um, and they were amazed and marvelled, saying, Why are these not why are these why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our quote, own language to which we were born. Parthian, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya. Heard a lot about that these days, right? Yes. Around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, other, both Jews and proselytes, certain Arabs. Uh, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them all in our own lang- own tongues, speaking qu- what speaking the mighty deeds of God. And they continued in amazement and perplexity, saying to one another, "What does this mean?" So um, this is the fulfillment of Jesus' promises in Mark sixteen seventeen. And notice the sensory engagement at this at this event or this 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 happening. Uh, you, you, there's this auditory like rumble that catches everybody's attention, coming uh, like almost like thunder. Like, and, and, and then there's this like visual side of it of, of of like all they could say is like tongues of fire sitting on the, on their heads. And then third one is this auditory coming from speech of hearing. And so all these senses were engaged in this. And non-believing Jews—that's important to remember. Okay, heard what they heard the God, they heard the mighty deeds of God um, in their own language from birth. There were about sixteen languages here. Um, uh, uh, whereby that, that happened and the believers uh, were, because the believers there spoke with other tongues and they, it appears here to be a missionary or an evangelistic tool that God used to as these Jews these Galileans who spoke uh, uh, Galilean you know, uh, spoke their own language at the same time those who happened to be there heard it in, the, in their own quote native birth language Okay, right? Um, Another situation is is Acts uh, chapter 10. Um, It's important on this one. I have the wrong verses here. uh, Cross yours off and say 44 through 46. Acts 10, 44 through 46. I'm not going to go into this in detail. Um, But he basically says that uh, those who were with Cornelius, who was a Gentile, um, Gentile, uh, we're all amazed because the quote, verse forty-five, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, and they were, verse forty-six, hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. So uh, Cornelius and other Gentiles um, with him received the Holy Spirit. This is this is the this is the beginning of of the of of the Holy Spirit going to the Gentiles as a as a body of people, okay? And the Gentiles appear to have spoken fluent Hebrew. Because the Jews that were there completely understood what they were saying completely, and that would have been hard to hard to fathom and then it uh, appears to be in this situation not so much an evangelistic tool but a confirming sign to the Jews that are present that the Gentiles also have have come to Christ okay and are, are, are included into the mix, if you would, as, as believers. And in chapter 11, 15, Peter connects this particular situation back to Pentecost. Turn with me, if you would, then to uh, chapter 19. Uh, chapter 19. And here we see uh, in verses 1 through uh, 7, another situation where... John, the Holy Spirit is 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 now actually given to a group of John the Baptist's disciples. John the Baptist's disciples. There were twelve of them in in total. They had not heard of the Holy Spirit. And verse six says, and then Paul laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, in tongues and were prophesying. So these are Jewish non-believers, who had not heard the Spirit. Were not had not accepted Christ, and upon receiving the Spirit, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And again, just like the last one, this appears to be a confirming sign to those who were present, who were Jewish, that 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 the gospel was going also to uh, John the Baptist's disciples. Okay, so turn with me to chapter twelve of First Corinthians, and we'll look at that next. I'm not going to go through all of chapter 12 and 13. I'm going to cover it in an overview. But I do want to get into chapter 14 together in detail. Okay? So chapter 12 really is an overview of spiritual gifts in total. Um, he begins in verse 1 by saying, quite importantly, now concerning spiritual gifts, including spirit, speaking in tongues, um, brethren, j- believers, I do not want you to be unaware. I do not want you to have a... Have a um, an inability to um, understand what, what these are about. I want, you to be, I want to be very clear about what they are, what they're not, and, and how to use them. Okay, that's that's how he starts verse 1. Verse 7, if you look, he says um, the following. He says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the common good. And the common good here is to really edify or equip or to build up, if you would, the body of Christ. So, common good means that though it's a part of those who are part of the body of Christ, okay, um, at a local place. Uh, verse 9, he says, um, And to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gift of healing by one Spirit, this should have said 10, and to another the interpretation of tongues and kinds of tongues at the end of verse 10. Um, also, look at verse thirty very quickly. He says, "All do not have the gift of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they?" And so the point here is that spiritual tongues, uh, speaking in tongues, is a spiritual gift. Uh, always, when Paul lists puts a list together, the ordering of the list, at least what's first and what's last, um, is quite important. And he and and he addresses speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, not only in this verse but also in verse uh, 30, 20, 28 and 29, excuse me, um, uh, as tongues being almost the, la- the last of the gifts from an importance perspective. Um, and importance is defined as how it builds up the body. Okay, Verse 11, he says, um, But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And verse 18, But now... God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desires. And so the key point here is that God is sovereign in the giving of these gifts, including speaking in tongues, and, um, and no one person, it's very clear, has all of the gifts. No one person has all the gifts. And the other thing here um, uh, is that not all the people have the same gift. Not all the people have the same gift. Okay? Look at verse 13 with me. And for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Uh, what is this called? Pardon me? Baptism of the, of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. And does this happen multiple times in a person's life? Does it happen to all people? Okay, all believers, he says, into one, into one body in one, through one spirit, right? And, and when, does it, when does that occur? Okay, at, a, at the point of salvation, at the point of accepting Christ, the, each person is, quote, taken from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light and, and given the Spirit of God to indwell them since Pentecost. Okay? Fair enough? And so, we should not confuse the Holy Spirit as a gift to all believers with the gifts that he gives to individual believers. Second, every believer receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Very important. Um, But not all receive all the gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit, including tongues. Verse 31, go there with me but earnestly desire the greater gifts. The greater gifts here are defined as those that make a greater impact in in edifying the body. You're going to see how that manifests itself in chapter 13. And and then he finishes by saying, and I I I want to talk to you, I want to show you, I want to explain to you the more excellent way. The more excellent way is chapter 13. And he says here, the more excellent way is the importance of love the importance of love. And so, um, verse 1, he starts off, he says, Pursue love. Pers- uh, excuse me, um, verse 1, he says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanning symbol." Now, is is he saying here that, um, uh, w- what's the focus in, in this verse? And verse 2, where he says, I, If I had the gift of... All prophecies, all knowledge, all faith, but don't have love, I'm nothing. What's the compare and contrast going on here? Okay, Everything compared to love. So if you have it and you don't have love, the idea is if I, if I could have all these things, which the point is no one person has, right? and I could do those flawlessly, but I don't have the motivation of the heart to be that of love, then I'm nothing. It's going to be absolutely worthless. Fair enough? Okay? And so, th- this particular verse then is, if I had the ability to speak in all tongues, if I had the ability to speak in the tongues of angels, which I don't, <laughs> which I don't. Follow me? Okay. Second is verse 5, where he says, love does not seek its own. The whole point here is that in the, in the use, use, utilization of my spiritual gift, it is not about me. It is about building up the body. It is about something else that God's doing besides me. It is about the equipping, edifying, uh, exhortation of the body of Christ to build it up. Okay, we're going to come back to the end of chapter 13 and at the end of our time together. Chapter 14. Okay, so this is where I want to go a little bit deeper. All right, chapter 14 is all about the misuse of tongues by Paul, and 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 understand the problems that that he's encountering here. Let me just set it up for you really quickly okay there 's an unhealthy fixation by the church in Corinth um, on speaking in tongues, and they have elevated that up to the very highest level as to the level of importance uh, 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 it, uh, as a gift. Second is that let 's should say no interpretation no interpretation uh, of, of speaking in tongues is happening it 's not happening okay and number three is. The fact that this is going on in this way literally is creating what we call a whole environment of chaos, a whole environment of, 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 of confusion. And that chaos and confusion is, is bringing a whole bunch of problems on, 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 on the Corinthian church. If you'll notice from chapter 1, there's divisions in the church. All these are coming about as a result of what's going on here. Uh, some overall guidance that he provides in this chapter, first and foremost, verse 1, pursue love. Love is the most important thing to be in pursuit of, on the, on the heels of chapter 13. Second is all should be done to edify and strengthen and build up the body. All done to strengthen and build up the body. Look at the end of verse 5, he says, Unless uh, anyone who speaks in tongues, lest he interprets it, so the church may receive edifying. Edifying. Verse 12. uh, So then, let all abound for the edification of the church. All abound for the edification of the church. Um, And also, uh, uh, look at verse 26. He says, um, let all things at the end of it be done for what? Edification. Edification. Okay, all will be done for edification. The last guidance he does in overall is all must be done in orderly and properly. Look at verse 30, uh, Look at verse, uh, 40. 33 first. 33, he says, uh, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, um, as in all the churches of the saints. And verse 40 is, Let all be done in properly and in an orderly manner. All be done properly and in an orderly manner. So let's take a look at it by, uh, t- together, real quickly. Verse 14-1 says, "Pursue lo- love, yet er- earnestly desire spiritual. Ge- spirit- it's really spirituals, um, but especially that you may prophesy." So this whole chapter, based upon verse one, is really a compare and contrast of the the high view of the of the gift of prophecy, which we're not getting into today. Okay, <laughs> um, uh, we may at another time, uh, as set against. What they thought to be the highest gift, which was speaking in tongues. Okay, fair enough. All right, and and Paul starts it off by saying um, that that spe- that prophesying is 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 more important. Okay. Um, second, in verse two through six, verses two through six, he says, uh, verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue uh, edifies himself, but one who sp- prophesies edifies the church. This is an important verse because. Um, people would read and go, see, tongues is for edification of oneself. And and if you read the whole context, it's like, no, no. It is not. The whole point is like he's talking about what edifies the church more. And he's saying, you're just edifying yourself if you don't allow what your message is to be communicated and articulated clearly. Fair enough? Okay. Um, Second is that uh, Paul says all don't speak in tongues at the end of, in verse 30. We already looked at that. Um, 7 through 11, this is an important thing. He uses this example of a flute or a lifeless thing called a harp or whatever, and that they make distinct tones. They make distinct, clear uh, sounds. And his point here is that words have meaning. And that um, if, if you're using tong- the gift of tongues and you're not being clear in what your message is, then uh, that's, what, uh, that's not good. Okay? Verse 12 through 19 if you speak in a tongue uh uh if you speak in a tongue pray that you would know what it's what it says verse 12 he says um uh, uh, excuse me 13 therefore let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret why would why would he say pray to interpret if you speak in a tongue what's the purpose of that so it's so it's clear to the people at present as to what the message is right okay Second, if not knowing what is said is unfruitful. So, verse thirteen. Therefore, let one. Uh, so fourteen. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. In other words, if I don't have the gift of interpretation, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm praying in a in a, in, a, in a in a tongue, uh, then I don't know what it's saying, and nobody around me knows what's what's going on. Okay. And last, here is Paul chose spoke in tongues, but rather chose to teach clearly. Look at verse 18 and 19. He says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul had the gift of tongues. Um, However, verse 19, in the church, which is an interesting comment, "um, I desire to speak five words with my mind that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul would far rather prophesy or teach clearly um, what he's trying to say so that the people there, their present, would be built up, edified, understand what he's saying, and would be able to apply what he's saying. Okay. Um, Verses 20 through 25. He says here, uh, and, and I want you to focus here. Paul quotes Isaiah in verse 21. He says, In the law it's written, By men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to these people, and even so they will not listen to me. Uh, says the Lord. Verse 22, so then tongues are a, for a sign, not to those who believe, but to who? Unbelievers. But prophecy, as opposed to speaking in tongues, is not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Okay? So, when he quotes this, he's basically, if you go back and look at the context, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a message of judgment in in two fronts, one to the to the to the nation of Israel about the Assyrian captivity coming, and that they're going to come across and they're going to they're going to take them into 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 judge God's going to judge the people, and they're going to be taken into captivity. And the other one, it's about um, Judah uh, being taken to Babylon, and it's it's really a message about the judgment of God. Obviously, with the judgment, anytime you speak the judgment of God, there's what there's the salvation of God also. As the, as the counterpoint point here, okay. So the purpose of tongues here, very clearly from Paul, is quote, a sign to those, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And it's interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter one twenty-two, he says, Jews ask for what, a sign, but Gentiles ask for wisdom. Okay. So speaking in tongues without interpretation will cause unbelievers to think you're crazy. <laughs> you look at that. He says, uh, verse twenty-three. If you're doing this in the, in, in the church service, and all speak in tongues, and, quote, the ungifted man, or unbelievers, so he explains what an ungifted man is, comes in, uh, will they not say that you're mad? <laughs> will they not say you're crazy? Um, yeah, and the point is, yeah, they will. <laughs> okay? Um, and verses 26 through 28, God doesn't forbid, uh, Paul doesn't forbid speaking in tongues. In fact, he says, he says right here, he says... Um, What's the outcome then? When you have a tongue, speak it. Uh, when you have a revel- uh interpretation, speak the interpretation. But let all things be done for edification. Um, he goes on, verses 27 and 28, to say there's, a, there's an order, there's a method you must use if you're going to use speaking in tongues in church. First and foremost, no more than three in a service. He says two to three. Uh, the idea here is that they're lined up and they know they are going to speak about this. Second is that they must be done in turn, not all at the same time. And third point here is the gift of interpretation. The person who's going to be the interpreter must be identified before they speak so that that person then can interpret what's said. Okay? Three, three methods, three points of method there. Last but not least here is must know who has the gift of interpretation beforehand. Okay? Okay? So, I want to go on and address three three other issues and then close out real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in here, so you can read them yourself. Are the speaking in tongues uh, the same as baptism of the Spirit? We already talked about that, and the answer was no. Okay. The second one I want to look at is, uh, are speaking in tongues evidence of being filled with the Spirit? Filled with the Spirit. So, in Ephesians chapter 5.18, he commands every single believer, all of us, to what? Be filled with the Spirit. Okay? And so, being filled with the Spirit is an an outcome, can only occur if the baptism of the Holy Spirit has already occurred. Is that right? Because then you're a believer in Christ. Fair? Okay? So don't confuse the baptism of the Spirit with the command of all all believers to be filled with the Spirit. And there's a number of evidences here of being filled with the Spirit, joyful heart, thankful heart, submissive heart. Says nothing about speaking in tongues, and, and, and certainly if we're going to be Christ-like, um, we have no evidence of Christ speaking in tongues. Okay? Uh, do speaking in tongues evidence the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, chapter 5.22-23, uh, love, joy, peace, song, suffering, gentleness, goodness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The point here is no. Okay? The Christian who is filled with the Spirit is going to evidence the fruit of the Spirit. But there's no place... That says that the fruit uh, that, that that speaking in tongues is is the fruit of being filled in the spirit with the spirit. In fact, I think it's really important to note: no Christian should ever feel that they're lacking in spirituality because they've not spoken in tongues. Okay, so that's a key component here. Um, the goal of every child of God is to be controlled by the spirit. The whole point of control is on that second bullet point there, um, which is. Um, uh, uh, excuse me. The, the the third one from the bottom. Uh, uh, goal of every child is to be controlled by the spirit. The, it, the idea here is to allow myself to be controlled by the spirit. That's an act of my will um, to be controlled by the spirit. Okay. Okay. Last but not least, in closing, um, a couple things. Our par- tongues apart today's God's program for today's for the church today. I think it's important to note a couple things. One is that uh, um, we. You, you might have seen this already. We spent a lot of time kind of working through it. There's some key spirit, spiritual gifts that we would believe are for today. Some, you know, we let's have a conversation about. And others that we would, as a church, believe have ceased. So the, the position of the village church would be that these have ceased. So let me just talk you through the different views so you can be able to see those and, and, and deal with them yourself um, personally. Okay? So, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 8. He says, If love never, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are gifts of tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. And then, interestingly enough, in verses 9 and 10, he says, But we know in part, and we prophesy in part. He never talks about, spirit, about tongues here never says anything about tongues, but he talks about knowledge and he talks about prophecy. Verse 10, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Partial will be done away. So the real question here is, what is the perfect? Which I'm, I'm going to allude to, but it's not part of exactly what I'm trying to get at here. Okay? First is, they do not exist for today. View number one is, no need exists after 70 AD as they were assigned to Jewish unbelievers of coming judgment due to rejecting their Messiah. Okay? So the t- gift of tongues, the purpose of tongues, according to uh, people who would hold this view, would be that in chapter 14, verse 21, is okay. that these t- the gift of tongues was for a period of time up to 70 AD when God judged them, saying, in so many words, Turn around, unbelieving Jews. Judgment is coming uh, upon you if you don't believe in the, your Messiah. Okay. The second one, second view here is there's no need for them to exist because the what we call the apostolic era or the time of the apostles, um, and I'll add, um, and, and different people have different components here. But I would add the, the completion of the word of God also during that same time are complete, and so therefore there's no need for them to continue to exist. And so the point here is that. Uh, uh, people who would hold this view, okay, would say that knowledge and prophecy here in verse 11 of chapter 13, um, me, t- uh, note, uh, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 13, um, really talking about that. The, when the perfect comes, they would see that as the completion of scriptures and the end of the apostolic era. Okay, and then last but not least, um, they do exist, and I'm going to hit all three points I hit at the front end of our time together. The first is sign of tongues. And these these people who would would believe they do exist today would say, hey look, tongues are assigned to unbelievers uh, and unbelievers, they're still unbelievers today. And so tongues must still also exist. And they would tie uh, uh, this idea of knowledge and prophecy uh, going away in in 1 Corinthians 13 with when the perfect comes to be when Christ comes. Interestingly enough, I would hold that that would be how you would interpret um, uh, that verse. That the perfect would be Christ personally. Um, haven't had a chance to talk to you know a lot of people, but but that's where this one here is. Uh, if this is true, then Paul's exhortations and commands around how to use this gift that we've talked about already in, in 1 Corinthians 14 must be in place and must be used that way. Okay. And last but not least, two more points that we talked about at the front end that they uh, many in the uh, charismatic uh, movement would believe that. Just the just the gift, just tongues itself is, is is seen as a different thing in in Paul's admonition to the first Corinthians, to Corinthians as opposed to how it's used in Acts. And they would say that the gift of tongues, giving of a tongue, is inspired utterance for believers. It's a uh, they, they, but Paul here says it's a sign for unbelievers. And also Paul says that uh, or Peter says that the God's word is sufficient uh, for all life and godliness. And last but not least is praying in the spirit. Personal prayer language, um, I think the point to say here would be if that exists, it's not a spiritual gift as it doesn't edify the body. Very important, okay? And number two is if it does exist, Paul uses it, uh, Paul says it, it. if it's used publicly other than one-on-one with the Lord, then it's unfruitful, unless it's what interpreted, right? Um, somehow, some more. Okay? So that takes us through... Um, those things. And I want to ask Michael to come on up and uh, let's go through a quick debrief. As he's coming up, um, I'd like for you to uh, take and look at your questions that you have there and uh, I take your the person who's going to be speaking about those, um, have them be the, the speaker. <laughs> and uh, let's go through those right right now if we could. Okay?
0: All right, any fights yet? No. All right, the first one is uh, check all the ones that you agree with and briefly explain your answer. And so, let's have the spokesperson from each table represent what were some of the various views and opinions at your table. Uh, who wants to represent? John Thomas. Great. Um, yeah, go back to page one and we can read down and say which ones had sympathy and which ones. personal prayer And I erased
1: it after yeah. we. Right. So,
0: yeah. so I I the vibe that Bert, you're the spokesman for your night. T- excited. <laughs> now, not a place that you can go to. In the Bible, it says tongue I have my personal... Yep. I, I agreed with what you just said until this week. Back over and... But by the way,
1: while you're going there, where, where this does come out... Um, well, no. I, I'm, let's keep on this particular issue. Sorry. <laughs> and then those were all the yeah, the, si- the sign there would have been to the people who who were who Jews in in Jerusalem, uh, primarily for Pentecost, right. which were some, uh, what do you call it... Uh, People appearance to Judea. Proselytes, but many, Proselytes. many
0: from yeah. the disk. Suddenly they came from heaven elsewhere where they were sitting. By the tongues of fire appeared to them the rest. All filled with the Holy Spirit speak in other languages. Other languages. Now, this is where I had, the next verses are where I had previously landed in position. Um, now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. At this sound, the multitude came together, and they were being asked I had four, had- and the idea is that there's more than just one, but all speaking various languages. But it's an intelligible language that people... Yeah, and, and I think at the, I just want to hit on this inferential theology because oh, yeah. I, I, can't, I cannot look at you and say the Bible says speaking tongues to say is uh, there are all of these things that come together. For example, the, every single instance of about 150 A.D. all the way up until the 19th century by, by groups that we would call um, also. And I, I've had extensive, I've attended prophecy and tongue speaking. There is a gift of tongues, and it is, I get up in church and I self, and so I get up and say it. There are two people with the gift of I have never, ever, ever seen this happen because That's it's not comment. like a... It's not just a general translation. The vibe of what he's saying is this, if it's a God, is it not a God of... This is where I would be willing to say, okay, theology puts all of this together and just can't see this for the church today. But I see it for the early church. I validate those reasons. But if somebody could come to me and show me a consistent church experience, I'd begin to question and revisit. But the key word is inferential. It's hard because people... Hot topics is certainly not... not and we, yeah. and we,
1: were gonna, we weren't going to go into interpretation, but I would, I would have to say, just like any interpreter should match
0: up. I, I would I would even more tend, it should not be contradictory statement. If I have a word from the Lord, if I, and if I, you know, I'm, I'm saying it in French, yeah. you know, and and that's the, I think that's what's largely missing, is that it's a very subjective, and one of the other reasons why I'm okay with this, I already know that we know that we know that um, some gifts have ceased. So, apostleship, it is impossible, unless you redefine apostleship, to say that apostleship is gifts for the church. The, the prerequisites to be a biblical apostle, I mean, so we know that there is at least a paradigm that one gift sees. this is not standard reason it's plausible it has to be in the and, and this is I agree and so this is I can do anything once it's yeah, key <laughs> But about this is that this spirit of the prophet is so um my challenge with that with always hear about a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy aggravating like I, I would love to say I would love to meet somebody who says I was there, you know, and I witnessed a miracle I was speaking or someone was speaking a language that part of them entrusted in Jesus. So I get really I am I'm a i am a not even, even say that Ed, yeah. Well I think I grew up yeah. in a church where or, or, or it was mm-hmm. and, um, and there was not a lot a, a great parallel with by and large if you have that gift you sense in which facts that you could observe Ed, now he's spoken a language. Part of my challenge with a lot of the redefinitions is everything's plausible at that point. The hardest thing to challenge is someone. This is where false religions also... It's very hard to bring in Muslim experiences, but it doesn't mean... That's where, you know, there are been logical things that they've experienced but have had to no. I was just I
1: was just going to concur with you completely because uh, one of the things that we've talked about is, and we said it just earlier, is, you know, I mean, there, God does miracles all the time, and you can take any one of these sign issues, and, and you can see that. I mean, I was on the on the mission field for how long, you know. But, I mean, God does those things. Yep. Let's be really clear about it. But 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 I, I can't, I mean, gifts are attested to by the body of Christ. You can't look to individuals, okay, and say, you know, okay, you have that gift of speaking in tongues. I personally, I, I, don't, I, I don't see it. Now, maybe I don't walk in the circles that that happens. They're, they're, that's a one-off The mir- gift of miracle. You know, I, um, that person doesn't
0: walk around with a tattoo
1: on them saying, I have the gift. It's a key thing.
0: Um, what time I'm is it? Uh, the last one I just want to deal with uh, is the second one on the back page. So say speaking in tongues is an Baptized in the Holy Spirit, and thus capable of spirit filled and effective ministry. I've been actually told this. With this understanding, you can see why this is such a hot topic. How would you personally respond to somebody who told you, you not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues, you are impotent to accomplish any spirit filled ministry? And I just want to draw your attention to First Corinthians. Paul says, We have all been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you're talking about a very carnal church. You're talking about a church where. Um, things that were happening there, uh, just, we would be very upset and we would all be throwing it. Walk and look at that church and say, everyone, all baptized into the it's very clear to this church and all not all of you speak in tongues. Well. And uh, I think that's what I would tell somebody is the Bible clearly says that anybody also says that speaking in tongues is a passage I come back to consistently. Found uh, yourself in that you will, you will find people active for spirit empowered ministry operating consistently. It's oppressive. It's unbiblical. scourge many power because the holy of the Holy Spirit is more spirit from Galatians five than it is a specific. You have to <clears throat> be done. Yep. Okay.
1: Uh, just one yeah. last point, and then let's pray. Yeah. Um, just go back to where we started, right? Which is the objectives for this class is deal with the issues, wrestle with them, mm-hmm. engage them come to a personal convictions on them through the Bible, through the you know, biblical worldview, but most importantly, let all things be done love. So I don't care whether you have different perspective or not. Okay, we are here to love one another and that's the purpose of 1 Corinthians 13.
0: Before we pray, um, when we're done here, we're going to have a, come through here, get um, all the tables and chairs out. So if there are some strong dudes who, would, who just swiftly, like his church is going to, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. All right, let's pray together. Well, Father, thank you for... Um... Your word, and I thank you, God, for all the issues that it is crystal clear and explicit on. And I also thank you for all the issues. Soul to study, to pray, to talk through it together and with spirit filled believers. So, Lord, we want to think desire to quench the Holy Spirit whatsoever. We have no desire to say no to what you've said yes to. And so, Lord, if there is anything in terms of practice or theology that we are spirit, will you expose it? We don't want to, or just uh, want to stick to our position because we want to be right and can't admit we're wrong. So, Lord, we submit to you and to your word. So, will you, uh, with clarity, uh, continue? here. I don't even necessarily pray for you, but God, that we would grow in our love for you, despite some of the practical experience. At the end, amen. amen. Thank you, everybody.